This is Scott Richmond, the director for New York and New Jersey for ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, coming to you from the front lines. ADL is on the front line every day fighting anti-Semitism and hate, and this show brings that to you from the WVOX studios in New York. The Supreme Court has been on the front lines for the past year, and certainly the past few weeks, as they decided a series of very important cases and set themselves up for more landmark decisions in the next term. Each July, for the past 23 years, ADL, together with the National Constitution Center, hosts what we call the Supreme Court Review to take stock of the term that just ended at the end of June. Thousands of people tuned in for this year's virtual version. Last week, my guest was Steve Freeman, ADL's Vice President for Civil Rights. He and I discussed this year's program, and we began to unpack some of the key Supreme Court cases. Since there was so much to discuss, I made the unusual decision to invite Steve back for a part two of the conversation that we began. So I will say welcome back, Steve, too, from the front lines. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate that. When we last spoke, you mentioned the key types of cases in which ADL took the greatest interest, reproductive rights, First Amendment, specifically church-state, and immigration. We discussed why ADL took a stand in the church-state cases and why the broader Jewish community is concerned. Let's move to reproductive rights and the Dobbs case, perhaps the most momentous shift. Can you lay out why it was so momentous in your view? I think everybody knows, all of your listeners know, that, that Dobbs, uh, the majority in, in, uh, in Dobbs, explicitly and wholly overruled almost 50 years of precedent set by Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey, um, protecting the right to abortion. Uh, the court ruled that the due process clause of the 14th Amendment does not confer a constitutional right to abortion, nor is there any other basis for a constitutional right to abortion. It was really a, it was really a devastating decision with huge consequences for, for people across this country. I think that we've already seen that it is, it has had huge, you know, huge impact, huge ramifications. Um, it, it now allows states to ban abortion and I think probably about half the states are either poised to do so or have already done so. It was sort of not a surprise because the uh, early version of the decision was leaked, very, very unusual, unprecedented for the court uh, a few months earlier in May, um, but it was still rather shocking. There were three justices, Justices Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan, who would have opposed the Mississippi law, which was originally an issue in the case. They were six who supported the Mississippi law, but five were ready to go further and just throw Roe out. And tell us a bit about ADL's interest here and the interest of the broader Jewish community. So ADL has supported reproductive rights since 1980. We've adopted the policy, we've reaffirmed it, uh, and we've filed briefs in every major abortion-related Supreme Court case since then. Um, Our mission as as an organization over 100 years old is to fight hate um, broadly and secure justice and fair treatment to all. So we firmly believe as part of that 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 reproductive freedom is a core civil right uh, enshrined in the law. Reproductive rights are civil rights, and we have we have said we're going to fight for reproductive rights as we continue the broader struggle to ensure justice and fair treatment to all. It's I think our, our view is that when people can't control their own reproductive choices and exercise their own decision making, that's discrimination. That and that runs counter to everything that ADL believes in. And we're not you know uniquely the, the broader Jewish community. Um, believe very deeply uh, in, in one's right to choose. There are some some, some exceptions, perhaps, among some of the Orthodox community, but that is 
by and large, the, the consensus view among most, the most American Jews. Uh, and there's a religious freedom component, too. Um, we fought for religious freedom for more than 100 years. And, and I think what the fall of Roe represents is the imposition of a specific set of, of religious views on all Americans. And it's one that does not align with, with uh, Jewish tradition in many ways. The immigration cases that were put forward, I think that uh, the the um, position of the Jewish community, uh, it's it's not so much about the the civil rights component, but it's it's more more personal. I would say it's about you know m- many of us are um, are just uh, a generation or two generations uh, away from being immigrants, and and certainly our tradition of. Um, uh, being strangers in a strange land uh, and the whole story of the exodus and, and welcoming the stranger. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about the immigration case and, and tie it a bit to the Jewish community's interest there. Sure. And, and you remind me, Scott, that it's worth making a broader point. That I know this is a conversation about the court and the cases, but it, but mm. the, the impact here is obviously much broader than what the law now says. It, it, and, and it's important to keep in mind that these cases impact real lives, real people, Real people, real choices people have to make, real hardships they cause. The immigration case, um, I'm not going to get into the weeds on the law because it's pretty complicated and convoluted, but basically the question is about whether or not people who are seeking asylum in the United States have to be, have to stay in Mexico until their claims are reviewed or can stay in this country while their claims are being reviewed. And, and the policy that has been in place saying that they have to remain in Mexico has resulted in uh, enormous suffering, enormous hardship. Conditions there are, are tough. People are, are harassed and, and, and worse. Uh, and we have been supportive of efforts to reverse that policy and to make it easier for them to be treated, evaluated, their claims evaluated in this country. Uh, and you're right that there is, you know, that, that there's a, there's a through line here in terms of our work on all these issues that really goes to, um, just in securing justice and fair treatment. It's really about, Treating people as people, treating people and respecting their their physical integrity, their bodily integrity, their 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 right to live their lives as they choose, uh, and it's a, it's a much broader and deeper commitment than just what the what the laws say or what the laws are about. And that's a theme that runs through much of our advocacy, and we try to sort of keep in mind the consequences that that cases and decisions have uh, on people. And, and just for the record, I mean, there was so much more in the Supreme Court review. Uh, there were cases involving content moderation, voting rights, COVID-19, uh, Native American rights, and uh, equal protection. So, uh, you know, there's so much more to learn from the full program if, if people have a chance to watch it. Um, the program concluded by looking to the future, to the next term. Tell us what are the key cases that will likely come before the Supreme Court and what will ADL's position be in those cases? We know uh, several cases that are going to be before the court. The court's full, full docket is not yet determined. Um, but these are cases that will be argued in the fall and decided next year. One of them of particular interest to us is uh, it will be another potential landmark case, and that involves the future of affirmative action. There are two cases, one involving Harvard and one involving the University of North Carolina. And we are planning to... to um, to file an amicus brief in the in the Harvard case. Um, basically, the question here is um, whether or not the court should overrule a landmark 2003 decision in a case involving the University of Michigan, 
which said that Michigan could consider race as part of its efforts to assemble a diverse student body. The, the, the question was, obviously, they can't, and ADL has long opposed quotas, has long opposed racial preferences, but we have taken the position that, that race can be one factor, one of many factors in determining um, uh, college admissions policies, and that there is a, there is a compelling interest in, in diversity, in, in diversity in the student body, that that really is an important component that adds to the educational experience. So the court... Um, has recognized that in a series of cases through the years since 2003. They have basically said that a holistic review of applicants that takes race into account as one factor is is constitutionally sound, is legitimate, and also good policy. The case is now before the court. Um, open the question again, which is something that a number of conservatives have been pushing for, to whether or not race should be considered at all in any, under any circumstance. Uh, in college admissions. There is a case in which um, the, the justices are going to hear a free speech claim from a website designer who opposes same-sex marriage. It's echoes of cases that they've heard before. This time they may actually decide whether or not someone who wants to, who is a website designer, who does not want to design websites for, for um, same-sex couples, uh, has a free speech right to say no to that. Right. Obviously uh, like the, uh, the wedding cake case. Right, it's a, it's a it's a variation of the same theme, and then there's also a case um, bringing into question what's called the independent state legislature theory. This is a, this is a case out of North Carolina that could end up upending federal elections by eliminating virtual all virtually all oversight of those elections by state courts. Uh, there's a in the Constitution the language is that only the legislature has the power to regulate federal elections. Uh, the question is when when the, when they talk about that. They, they really talk about the state legislative process, which involves state constitutions and review of legislation just as a, just on the federal side, or whether they should be interpreted literally to say only the state legislature has something to say about it and nobody else in the state, no courts, no, no uh, constitutional ballots or referenda or anything else can weigh in. And obviously this is the, the those behind this are have an agenda and they're seeking to, um, to have state legislatures control without any question about constitutional constitutionality, how to consider how to consider minority rights and voting and so forth and so on. Okay, so state legislatures, affirmative action, uh, same-sex marriage, uh, obviously the next term is going to be very momentous. So with that, I'm going to express my gratitude to Steve Freeman, not only for being on the show, but of course for also mounting this extraordinary annual event and for all the important civil rights work that you do all year. So thank you, Steve. And, of course, a big thank you to the listeners who tuned in to From the Frontlines, either live on WVOX 1460 AM or as a podcast. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or on Spotify to ensure that you do not miss a show. Just search for From the Frontlines. And please engage in these important conversations throughout the week by following me on Facebook and Twitter. My handle is at Scott A. Richmond, and our hashtag is Fighting Hate for Good. 